Big Screen Auckland number three. I'm Nige. Corey. And uh, this is our near weekly podcast about movies we've seen, we want to see, and whatever else movie related that pops into our heads. Uh, just a note, we don't try and actively ruin or spoil anything, but we do go on and on and on. I and we, we trip up shit. I 127 hours last week. But that's not a spoiler. It's not, you know. It wasn't on purpose. We're not going to ruin actively. twists. <laughs> yeah, we're not like, hey, by the way, Bruce Willis is dead the entire time. There'll be none of that. Mm. There'll be none of that. And if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, get fucked. I'm not worried about spoiling it. <laughs> anyway, this week we're talking about The Green Hornet and... Unknown, right? If you're looking to go into either of those blind, then... Not even blind, but I think like if you're listening to this on the way to the cinema to see them now, you'd probably just pause it for the other 10 minutes of your journey to St. Luke's and then, you know, play it on the way home. We're, we're, we're about to talk about those films right now. We're not going to ruin them, but we're not going to watch ourselves. Looking forward to Green Hornet. I know you're a huge superhero fan. No, man, I do like a comic book film. I do like a comic book film, but sometimes, I don't know why it is, some of them are terrible and some of them are good. But this has got Seth, Golden Boy, Do No Wrong, Rogan. Trailer's really well done. They've played on the technology and stuff like that. He's a party guy. Who's the, who's the villain? One of the dudes. Hans Lander. Shit, man, that's a good cast. They've 3D'd it. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the 3D, whether it's going to be gimmicky or whether they're going to incorporate it into films because it can't remain a gimmick and, and have the big wigs in Hollywood touting it as the next big thing, which they are. What about you? Well, I'm in disagreement. I think the I think the trailer looks absolutely awful, it's embarrassing. For some reason, I'm blaming it on whoever made the fucking trailer. <laughs> the thing with me is, this is a, a Michelle Gondry film, and I, ha- I know I haven't seen him do a superhero thing. I've seen, you know, Eternal Sunshine, Science of Sleep, even the the Dave Chappelle block party thing, and the Jack Black. Oh yeah, Be Kind Rewind, true. Yeah, he's he's an he's another guy I'm going to check out regardless. He he's got a doco about his auntie now. I'm not sure if any filmmaker did a if George Lucas was to to release a doco about his auntie. I highly doubt I'd go and watch that. Yeah. Michelle Gondry, however, I'll go and see it. So of course I'm going to go and see this. Yeah, I like Seth Rogen, um, and Hans Lander. I I've only ever seen him in Inglorious Bastards, so I'll go and watch again. But I do think this trailer looks fucking awful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you'd watch more trailers than me. I will say one thing though. Michelle Gondry doing a mainstream film like this is also quite strange. Should be interesting. Let's go check it out. Yeah. So that was Green Hornet. Yeah, that it was. Was it the uh, the superhero comic book movie you were hoping for? It was. It was a comic book movie, but it didn't drop into the class of great ones. I mean, I have high hopes for all the ones I see, and sometimes they pull it off. Can no. you? Can I? Can I ask you which would be a great one? Oh, I could say um, Nolan's Batman. Agreed. But there's also Spider-Man 1 was good when it came out, even if um, it was not bad. Even if the Green Goblin was his name, it was a bit cheesy, even though he's a good actor. Mm. Lars mm. von Trier uses him. Radical. I can't remember his name. Not Green Goblin. You're talking Willem Dafoe. No, Lars von Trier doesn't use the Green Goblin, sorry. But when I say Green Goblin, I mean Willem Dafoe, but I can't remember people's names, so I use their character names instead. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Um, so Spider-Man 1, Batman, there are some good ones. Did you like Kick-Ass? Even, um, no. No, but I didn't, didn't like Kick-Ass. <clears throat> I loved Kick-Ass. Even the original Supermans were pretty good. Green Hornet. I get the car Black confused. Swan. I get the car confused because I call it Black Beauty. Who would win in a fight between Green Hornet, Black Swan? Black Swan, my turn, Black Swan. Black Swan would win. Because <laughs> Green Hornet at the end of the day is just a stoner. I thought the Asian guy before he went in, I thought Kato. I thought he was um, Harold off Harold and Kumar go to wherever. No, blatantly wasn't. He was some little kung fu dude. 
I thought it was Harold putting on a, the world's greatest I'm Chinese, I can't speak English accent. Actually, he was a Chinese, he couldn't speak English. That was, yeah. that was radical. But they needed him to do all the fighting because Seth was pretty shit out. I, I had a problem with, I mean, as, as I, a buddy movie, it, it did annoy me that it was so unevenly matched. Like, Seth was a bit shit in fight scenes, whereas Kato was, like, well overqualified. Yet, they made it, like, because he didn't have the money, he kind of needed Seth Rogen's character. Not just a bit shit in the fights as well, but Seth was a bit shit in terms of friendship. Seth was a bit shit in terms of stealing women. Seth was a bit shit in terms of being a bastard and an insensitive prick. Mm. Seth had no redeeming qualities other than the funny rich guy. The thing that irritated me most about this film, I think, was that... I wanted them to break up. Yeah. Kato should have gone and been a superhero called Kato. Yeah. Seth um, was annoying. The thing it reminded me of was uh, Hong Kong Fui. Seth Rogen is Hong Kong Fui, who can't do a fucking thing. He's just a bumbling idiot. And his stripy little cat called Spot saves a day every every episode. That's that's the thing. This was a Hong Kong Fui episode to me, and it was ridiculous. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that part of it at all. There was no need for those two characters to be together. Yeah, there was no Henry the Mild-Mannered. There was Penry. Penry? Yeah. Oh, forsooth. How cool is that? I'm yeah, calling yeah, my yeah. next kid Penry. My next one. Number 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've already got that softball team. Only a few more to go and you get to first 15. No, I think a, um, the comic bookie film part was fine. They had a villain. They had cars. Oh, it's a good villain. And weapons. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Chavnowski, Bloodnowski, Hans Lunder. What's his real name? Christoph Waltz. Ah, Christopher Waltz. He won Best Supporting last year, right? Not Christopher Waltz. Oh, is it Christoph? Christoph Waltz? Oh, don't say Waltz. Christoph Waltz? Don't say Waltz. Waltz. W-A-L-T-Z. Christopher Waltz. Christoph. Chris, you can say Christoph, but not Christopher. If I get it wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, I was right about the winning Supporting Actor Oscar. Mm. It is pretty incredible. Yeah. But um, but what, what I thought in this, he only uh, he had a pretty goofy part. Mm. He had a lot of stupid lines and stuff. He made them ten times better than they were, but they still didn't quite make it. Not just stupid lines, but they get lazy. When they make a genre film, well, a genre film that I tend to be harsh on, like a comedy or something, they just be like, okay, give the villain, um, give him some Eastern European henchmen, excellent, make him kill someone he doesn't need to on screen a couple of times, blah, 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 okay, I've told you where the, uh, here's the peace treaty, I'll leave you alone forever. Cool. That key anyway, just so the audience knows I'm a bad guy. They they also give him bad props for some reason. Chavnoski, Christoph Waltz, had a double-barreled gun. Not just a bad prop, not just was used once. They made it his whole thing. Have you ever read the comic book? I don't care. <laughs> it didn't need to be his redeeming, his one redeeming feature. Yeah, that's probably it. He probably, But couldn't they have done it cooler? Couldn't they have given him like a, a longer gun like the Joker? Did it have to be so ridiculous as two guns like yeah, stapled together? Yeah. I didn't like that, that that could be as redeeming. Like, one day, what if they? What if he's not remembered from Glorious Bastards? What if he's remembered as that guy with the double gun? Oh, double gun guy, yeah. No, he, he faded into obscurity. Mm. That would be a tragedy. What's Michelle Gondry doing making a, a comic book film as well? He, he's much quirkier than this. Speaking of Michelle Gondry, uh, um, you know me, I'm a, I'm a total whore for talent. Yeah. I'm watching this because it's a Michelle Gondry film. What do you what do you think as far as you've seen uh, you've seen Eternal Sunshine, Science of Sleep, Be Kind Rewind, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll rank them for you if you like. Dave Chappelle's and Eternal Sunshine are tied equal for first. Second is maybe um, Science of Sleep tied with Green Hornet, and then last is Be Kind Rewind. Okay, 
I liked Science of Sleep, although I thought, what's his name? Gail Garcia annoyed me in it. I think everyone else thought he was awesome in it, but like, he annoyed Including me. Including me. His little mannerisms, they annoyed me. But that's not the actor's fault, that was character's fault. Yeah, okay, fair mm. enough. Gail Garcia, but annoyed me in it by the way he played No, my, my, my yeah. question would be, like, Gondry has come from, you know, he used to make White Stripes music videos that were all awesome. He's always, you know, signed to sleep, he's got paper masher, he's a homemade, he makes... Did shit. he make Bachelorette for Bjork? You could be right, yeah. Yeah. So, to me, he didn't add anything to Green Hornet. Like, the only thing different that it I've never no seen in every every film... Yeah, exactly. Mm. It had no Michelle Gondry signature on it. The only things I could see was the way they'd focus on weapons before they fought when time slowed down. And Which that, is big in the trailer. And that dimension thing, when he'd kick him across the car bonnets. Which I don't think worked at all, actually. Oh, I was about to say, that was quite cool, but they only used it twice. They used it in the opening fight twice didn't they this is an argument i heard for scott pilgrim if you're gonna do it once you have to carry it through the whole thing else it's just a one-off gimmick it just looked goofy i thought it looked goofy no because they were explaining kato's rapid heartbeat yeah so why did kato have to run over eight cars all of a sudden that didn't illustrate it for me that means he was i didn't i totally didn't like i thought it was just a trick to slow down time like kato how does kato work well his heartbeats time slows like a stoner playing a playstation game Time exactly. Effect. So if one dude has to run across the boot or the trunk of a car, it should take, what, one, maybe two footsteps. Kato, his thing was slowed down. He had to take ten to get over eight cars. Does oh, that no. not mean he's slower than us? No, because he's entered a slowed down world and is moving at normal speed. I liked it. can't believe he didn't, actually. I thought it was really good. Like, Kato's like, oh, no, I'm not a really good fighter, but I grew up on the streets, so my heart beats real fast and time slows down for me. And that's how I can kick all their asses. Then they then they take one fight and they show us it all from his point of view. They stretch out cars to show what he's doing. Then he identifies weapons. It all goes sort of grey and he picks up the right part. Then it um, then they don't use it again because they've got it. In your mind, it's like, cool, Kato's awesome. Next step. We've set that up. That shot, that eight car bonnet, was exposition. was explaining Kato is a good fighter. They couldn't have used it the entire way through. It would have seemed... Yeah, I know I didn't take this out. I, I saw it as... Fair enough. Matrix invented a whole new thing. Can I invent a whole new thing? And Michel Gondry has done it a million times. Even in Be Kind, which is our least favourite of his films, he's always inventing new shit. You know, paper mache, cut out, freeze frame. He's he's, he's an amazing yeah, creator. That is. This was the least of his creation. I felt maybe it reeked to me. I have these paranoid ideas about studios. I have these paranoid ideas about studios controlling films too much. And I think like Michel Gondry is rock to America. He's played his funky cool films, and he's like, "No, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to make a lot of money. Finally, I picked up this girl, and I got kids that need a. I'm describing him as a sellout, like not that bad, <laughs> not that bad. But I reckon he's gone and done a studio film. Someone's given him a script. He didn't write it. It's based on a comic book, for God's sakes. They've given him big actors. Here's um, Christoph Waltz. Here's Seth Rogen. Here's a kung fu star. You got all our money, so you don't need to do paper mache stuff anymore, Michelle. You can do whatever you want. And he's gone, awesome, awesome." Get ready for my creativity. Here comes Michelle Gondry's comic book film. And then they've stood over his shoulder the entire time and gone, no, 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 no. And what we've been left with is Green Hornet. It's like a Michelle Gondry film that had imagination and limited budget, controlled by American studios. I think that's the film we got. I'd go further. I'd say it's not even a Michelle Gondry film. This, to me, is a Seth Rogen film. 
and and fair enough because he was the lead actor but he also wrote it with evan goldberg and the thing about it is, is to, it looks like it was designed as a buddy flick to me it was supposed to be green hornet and kato were buddies now these two seth rogan and evan goldberg have worked together twice before once on superbad they wrote that and that is such a great buddy film yeah that it is with uh, Michael Cera playing Evan and Joan Hill playing Seth. Yeah. Then they went on and did Pineapple Express. Those two wrote that together. And that was a great buddy film as well, but less. They weren't quite as good buddies as Michael Cera and Joan Hill were. You know what? There's a streak of... This is a step down again. These were less buddies. I largely blame it on um, Cato's accent. No offense to him. But he's not an English actor, and it made it hard for them to see seem so chummy. Yeah, there was no riffing. As bad as it was with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, those <laughs> films were awesome because Jackie Chan could at least hold his own with Chris Tucker. Badly though it was, this didn't. They didn't play on that. They were just like no. oh, one accent and ignored it when it was clipped. No away. offense to Jay Chow, I thought he could have done really well by himself. I actually thought he was really charismatic. Yeah. But as a buddy pairing with... You know what I'd say about that three films you mentioned? They're getting more Those are the three those two have written together. Yeah, they're getting more and more action-y. Superbad, a really long buddy film about high school kids, and they have a couple of action-y type situations happen to them, right? Hit by a cop car, whatever it is. Mm. Next one, you've got a couple of um, you know employees or worker type stiffs, working stiffs, and they get caught up in some heavy action. Pineapple Express. Yep. This one, it's a superhero film. The buddy has dropped right out of it. The comedy's second place to... Well, the comedy was second place to me. I didn't notice Seth Rogen being particularly funny. Oh, he's charming. Yeah, charming. He's charming as he always is. No, nah, I'm over him, actually. Just quietly. I'll, I'll put it on. <laughs> You've got Seth... I've heard of this famous Seth Rogen fatigue. Yeah, Seth Rogen fatigue. Where I've noticed everything <laughs> else is the same. He gets overexcited ridiculously. And his voice, it seems to be... You know who we need to have on this pod is, is my sis. My sis will explain that Seth Rogen fatigue doesn't exist. He's Yeah, she's a big fan. Look, everyone likes Seth Rogen. I like his... I love Seth Rogen. What was it? Superbad came out at the same time as something else, which was basically the same film? Knocked Up. Superbad and Knocked Up came out at the same time, and they were both hilarious. Oh, yeah. Zach and Murray, Observe and Report. He's, he's done some great stuff. I haven't seen Observe and Report. Zach and Murray, he wasn't that funny. I'm going to tell Kev Smith he said that. Well, Kev knows. <laughs> I, look, I had, a, I, according to my notes, I had issues with um, a bunch of stuff, actually. I thought I thought it was a dopey film. And, and I blame it majorly on the writers, which is Seth Rogen. I loved his performance. I didn't like his writing, him and Evan. Father issues. They were uh, wealthy beyond belief. There was evil politicians. The two main characters were fighting over Cameron Diaz, which is a little lame. Yeah, what the fuck was she even doing in it? Where did Cameron Diaz oh, come from? I don't ask me. Didn't fit, didn't work. She had terrible parts. Oh my god! It was, yeah, I forgot about that actually. Yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous. There was so much stuff in that script. That I'm not was arguing a about waste it, of time. Yeah, I didn't I didn't particularly like it. We paid too much for it. It was bloody twenty bucks, and um, it certainly wasn't worth that. Three D or not, I was going to talk about the three D, and I thought it wasn't it wasn't done gimmicky. No, know? I was pleased with that. Yeah, I do like non gimmicky three D. I like it when they use three D to just draw you more into the film when it's used like that, to rather add than throwing things to your face. Like, Whoa, mm. yeah. I can't remember if there were bullets coming to the screen or not, or if cars were flying the screen. But it was there was layers to the film and it was working. Yeah, but to me, it, I I would have put I, I would have 
quite happily watch Cato the movie. Yeah. To me, this was a terrible pairing, and, and they didn't riff off one another very well. And Yeah, I never saw the TV show, never saw the comic book, couldn't tell you a thing about the Green Hornet. Yeah, I didn't and, know anything about it either. Apparently, it's, I, a, it's a 1936 radio play. How yeah. the fuck would that have worked? Done in the same ilk as the Lone Ranger. Oh, he was the grandnephew of the Lone Ranger. Like, why is he such a bumbling idiot? Do you think that Britt Reed was that crap in the 1936 version? Or was that a Seth doing? No, yeah, I think he was probably um, a debonair playboy who could also punch like James Bond, and that's all you needed to these days. But today, you can't have a punch like James Bond and walk around in a suit and expect to be able to beat up bad guys. You've got to know Kung Fu. Kato was probably mysterious back then. You know, a guy from the Orient didn't know anything about him. They would have even called it the Orient back then. And now these days, if you're going to have a guy from the Orient, he better be the world's greatest Kung Fu expert. Otherwise, what's he doing in there? So it was all stacked against Seth to be able to perform. So he took the other role. They they addressed it quite clearly. But I don't have great Kung Fu. Oh, here's a... Do you think he took a story about, like, uh, this is the Lone Ranger's grandnephew who was a... A Demony young fellow who is very good at what he does, but I'm going to make him a bumbling idiot. Do you think that was Seth Rogen's input into it? Oh, no, I think he probably... Or was he all... Green whoa, whoa, Hornet? Whoa. Bumbling idiot's a bit harsh as well. He wasn't a bumbling idiot. He was in there fighting. He just wasn't as good compared to Kato. No, I'd, he wasn't. I'd stretch that he was a cock. He was a cock, but not a bumbling <laughs> idiot. Bumbling idiot makes you think of Mr. Magoo. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe not bumbling. He wasn't like, oh, he went to hit me, but I turned my head at the last minute and he hit the car. No, he was... Punching dudes and he wasn't kung fuing them, but he was, you know, trying his best. He, yeah, he was in trying his best to kick a dude in the face, but he kicked Kato in the nuts. Once, once, yeah. But in other times, in the middle of the action scenes, firing his gun at the bad guys, knocking out half of them. Yeah, he was set up to be an action hero, badly against Kato, but you know, but he wasn't written by Seth to be a bumming idiot. Okay. I think I think Seth wrote him in to be realistic, maybe. I'd just like to compare it with the 1936 version compared to the 2010 version. Oh, yeah, I'd say they're totally different. I'd say the 36 version has him as millionaire, playboy, great fighter. There was no other forms of fighting. You know, there's no kung fu. To be mm. a good fighter, you, you had to be a millionaire playboy. Maybe he had a wrestling move. <laughs> um, I, I've skimmed through the history, the, the, fil- the film history of this character. Oh, there you go. Eddie Murphy was um, desperately trying to get the role in 1992. Jesus. Of Britt Reid. Uh, then Clooney got cast. But he had to drop out for The Peacemaker. Oh, I like that. Then uh, a dude called, I don't know if anyone knows, uh, Michel Gondry joined in 97. He was going to be, this was going to be his directorial debut. He he wanted uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn was huge um, then. 97, I think. Uh, Swingers. Swingers had, had, had been made. But the studios wouldn't allow it, so they offered it to Marky Mark. The Weinsteins bought it, and they had a deal with Jet Li to be Kato. Nice. Um, but hold up, that's the first sign of studio influence going, our Kato is going to be Kung Fu God. True. If they're, if they're looking at Jet Li, they're like... Don't yeah, worry. yeah, there's no, at that stage, there's no higher. Yeah, don't worry about the Green Hornet. He'll just be the sidekick almost to the Kato Kung Fu carrier, and from then it was locked in. Well, the reason people rem- remember Green Hornet is because Bruce Lee was Kato. So yeah. if you've got to replace Bruce Lee... You replace him with Jet Li. Let's go to Jet Li. Or at least... Kev Smith ended up becoming writer and director in 2004. He had uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as as Green Hornet, and he had written it as a female Kato. Nobody wanted to do that. He ended up publishing that as a series of graphic novels instead. 2008, Stephen Chow, Shaolin Soccer, Kung Fu Hustle, CJ7, he was Kato, and took over as director. That would have been fucking terrible. 
Yeah. Because he decided that Kato would be controlling the Green Hornet by remote control. Seth Rogen jumped in then and just like, that's fucking ridiculous. That's never happening. <laughs> yeah. And it went back to Gondry <clears throat> after all this time. And then Bloodnowski was cast as um, Nick Cage with a Jamaican accent. Jamaican accent. Yeah, that's 17 years of history of this film. My snarky question would be, did all that happen because the premise is so lame? You mean they kept constantly changing directors and actors thinking they weren't getting the recipe right when actually no one thought to look and say, you know what, the Green Hornet doesn't make a good film. <laughs> yeah, he just because, basically sucks. Because he's a bit of a shit-out superhero. Yeah, that'd be my question. Bit of a rich kid. That's my question. Yeah, I think so. That might be the problem. Seth Rogen's comedy might have lifted it. Maybe, um, maybe Michelle had enough quirk in there that we were, you know, that was coming across. But at the end of the day, the film didn't resonate because it was about the Green Hornet. Certainly nothing that I've ever come across. He's never been big in New Zealand. I haven't heard Bubkus about him ever. Yeah. Well, this is a lead up to my, uh, at, the, at the end, December 2011 show, I'm going to ask you, which is your favourite for the year, Green Hornet or Green Lantern? Why the hell would I watch the Green Lantern? That actually looks terrible. At least the Green Hornet stood a chance. Because Green Lantern's sidekick is played by Taika Waititi. Ah, that's right. Sidekick alone. Question again. <laughs> oh, ask me now, where you go. Corey, welcome to December. How are you enjoying December? Yeah, it's close to my birthday. Looking forward to it. So, which was your favourite of the year out of the, out of the Green Hornet or the Green Lantern? Oh, I like the Green Hornet much more, but damn, Taika Waititi was funny. How do you like that? That's an answer. Despite what we said earlier, we didn't actually end up seeing Fair Game after all that. We ended up uh, going and seeing a different film, Corey. Yeah, much better film. Um, not than Fair Game, which we're still to judge, but um, better than Green Hornet anyway. Because it was superhero-esque. We saw Unknown, the new Liam Neeson film. Um, and the title is difficult to get when you're saying it. It's not unknown to us. We're not aware of the title. We're totally aware of it, and it is the word unknown. That's the title. What a terrible title. In my in my opinion, the dopiest title of, of the year. Just to pull back on that, you, said, uh, you sounded like you said uh, better than Green Hornet. Are you saying straight out? Like that's the beginning of your review, unknown was better than the Green Hornet? Fuck yeah, because they've just listened to my review of Green Hornet. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, was the, uh, yeah, how, how many thumbs have you got, how many stars have you got? No, nope, it's a fuck yeah, it's better than Green Hornet. <laughs> no, blatantly, someone should go watch the two in a row on Tuesday. So it's, it's not it's not taken two, by the way, it is actually... Liam Neeson's a European, I mean, a, an American fish out of water, stuck in a European city, it's grey, he gets a blonde sidekick, and I'd describe it as a, a clever and smart uh, thriller, pseudo-spy, espionage Cold War-esque... Amnesia film, Who Am I? There's a couple of car chases, a la Ronan, Mercedes sliding around grey corners, banging into... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. No, you didn't, you no, didn't, you didn't get pissed off at the codes and shit? Like, wasn't that real dopey? Like what codes? And the book, yeah, the numbers, this corresponds to this, and there's the password for this, and... Nah, that was barely used. No? Barely nah. used? Okay, continue. Barely used. Nah, I mean they had to Super have Super Spice Rose. So what was they had to have some, they had to have some cloak and dagger stuff. Yeah, it was a little bit born identity. At the end, there it got into born identity. I heard people refer to this as the net or Nick Cage and the Family Man. From the trailer, to me, it looked like a Jodie Foster and Flight Plan or or Julianne Moore and the Forgotten. It wasn't any of that. Yeah, because it depends what you're seeing. The first part of the movie is like Julia and. Whatever flight plan, I'm I'm losing, I'm missing my identity. It's a guy that 
I'm not spoiling it here. This is how it starts. He um he happens to have no. He lands at the airport with his wife. She goes to the hotel first. He loses his ID. He's got to drive back to get his passport. And in that, in that 30 seconds where he doesn't have anyone that can identify him or have his ID on him, he has an accident, and gets amnesia, wakes up in the hospital days later. He's like, "Who am I?" Tracks down his wife, and just as he's like, "Hey, babe, remember me?" Tell the hotel manager to give me the spare key. Um, doppelganger husband walks over, and the wife like looks at him straight in the face and goes, "Don't know who you are." And there's your film. You know, he's trying to figure out who he is, and that's the first part of it. But it becomes, oh, it's so clever. Halfway through, it totally twists. It totally twists. It explains... Don't say that. You're in the whole movie. Don't say, twist. No, it doesn't twist that much. <laughs> no, you've got me, you've got me sunk. Because, you know, any time you say doppelganger, what is this film about? Ah, oh, blah, 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 doppelganger. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it. Yeah, doppelgangers. Doppelgangers and espionage type films. <laughs> espionage. That's the new word. It's been no, I really liked it. It's not a stupid comedy. It's not a stupid action. This is clever. This is Liam Neeson playing to his best recent form, such as Taken. No wonder it's been called Taken Two by many. But fans. hang on. But a lot of people, a lot of people thought Taken was a bit dopey. Um, he got he chases after his daughter. He kung fu's everybody. European. Oh yeah, I mean Europeans <clears throat> don't know kung fu. This is better than Taken. It is. I don't mean it's... It's not Taken 2. I'm talking about Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson fell into a, a type of uh, role in Taken where he's the take-charge man. A little bit old. He's an everyman. He's like an old... Who's the guy that played Gladiator? The Aussie? He owns a football team. Russell. Yeah, Russell often plays the everyman. Um, Liam Neeson's fallen into that role. He, he has two helpers. He has the little blonde girl that every Bond... Um, you know, Bridget von Hammersmark. Bridget von Hammersmark from... Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Famous from the basement scene. Diane Kruger. Yeah, why... But his other sidekick. Well, Bridget von Hammersmark is fantastic in it. Bruno yeah. Gans. Bruno Gans. Uh, a lot of people will know from the YouTube sensation of anything you care to think of mixed with a clip from Downfall. Ten minutes when, of super angry Hitler. When, yeah, Hitler's like yelling at everyone, get out of his room. The best part about the meme is it Hitler cuts to... Hitler in yeah. that is played by Bruno Gantz, who is in this, who is awesome in this, as just as much as in whatever you saw. Yeah, he's a little um, private eye that helps him out. And he's very good at acting. Plays an ex-Cold War Stasi um, secret police-like investigator. It's very cool. What was that, Lives of Others? He played someone like that could have been in that film. <laughs> it's a bizarre way to link it. That was a good film. Downfall was pretty good as well. I never saw Downfall. I've seen a million seen that clips of, yeah. <laughs> of films there. Uh, another, another one I, I want to um, give mad props to, everyone big ups for uh, Frank Langella, who, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. if anyone saw, uh, saw Frost Nixon, he was Nixon. If anyone saw uh, uh, He-Man, Master of the Universe, <laughs> he was Skeletor. Uh, hold on, hold on. Can you can you one of those is two thousand eight. The other one was eighty eight. Eighty four, eighty eight, yeah. No, the dude's good, man. He was the boss in Good Night and Good Luck. He's a good actor, man. Frank Langella, yeah. mad props. And he did well in this film as well. And he's a giant. Every scene he's in, he's wearing a trench coat and he's hunched over, he's got hands the size of basketballs or plates, whatever you want to call it. He could palm basketballs, I suppose, is what I'm going for. No, this is a very cool film. Like, it had good car chases. It had um, it had a couple of action scenes. It had really clever build-up. It had piecing the puzzle together. Like, I like that part. One of the scenes, he's like, why don't you just Google me, for God's sakes, there'll be an image. And that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I hate these amnesia films because it's 2011 now, and um, somebody would just Google them. And they Googled them, and the image was changed. Like how they get rid of cell phones and horror films these days. What was that uh, film with Two-Face in it? 
who's actually been in much better films. Thank you for smoking. And he's describing that astronaut scene. And he's like, oh, well, they can smoke now because of uh, that smoking filter air thing. Or in a horror <laughs> film where they're like, oh, my God, all of our cell phones have... We were in a coma for four days and all of our cell phones with um, batteries are gone. Or, oh, there's no signal. They have to quickly explain away something like that. Otherwise, it's unbelievable. They'll just call the cops on their cell phones. Mm. So they explain this. He says, well, just use the internet. And they check like two sites and every site's been changed to the foot of the doppelganger. And it's like, oh, I see. He can't just easily explain it with proof. There's no proof. They've done it very well. They've painted them to corners, you said. Put up the walls of the movie around them. Built the reality around them so that we don't have to question it. And once you're stuck in there, man, it was clever. It was really well done. I yeah. liked it way more than Green Hornet, as I said. Oh, in closing, I would like to say it's seriously not as dumb as it looks. I know it's got a stupid title, and I know you don't know much about it, and it looks like Taken 2, but it's better than you you think it is. Like Some people might look at it and go, well, this is from the director who gave us the Paris Hilton remake of House of Wax, but this dude also gave us Orphan, which I think was a, um, a really good horror two years ago. This guy's, this guy's kind of clever. It's not as dumb as it looks. Actually, we've got to ask for Green Hornet. We'll get back to that. So would you recommend it? I think they should see this if they like clever films. Um, it's not a date film. If, if you like not quite what you're expecting, if you like to be slightly surprised, uh, yeah, I'd say go for it. Not just like that, but if you like, a smart, if you like Michael Clayton, if you like a smart film, you go through this. Not as smart as Michael Clayton, but you know what I mean? Uh, a film that, a film don't, is... don't even start about Michael no. Clayton. My favourite movie of all time. Yeah, whatever. So we recommend they go see this if they like something smart. If they like good films, inverted brackets, like instead of shit films. I don't want motherfuckers coming out of this going, oh, I'm not going to go to the documentary fest. I'd rather go to something smart, like unknown. Smarter than a lot of other things there. It's yeah. A, it's a puzzle-piecing film. Smarter than Saw, a high school musical. Yeah. Well, look, man, we could rattle off the dozen films that are out and be smarter than all of them, I'm sure. Except for doco films. Hang on. We never said, should we recommend they see Green Hornet? I'm asking you first. Personally, for any Michelle Gondry fans, I think it was a, a semi-waste of time. It's definitely the worst he's ever done. If you're a Seth Rogen fan, I say go for it. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, if, not if you're a comedy fan, maybe not enough yet. If you're specifically a Seth Rogen fan, you can go see it. If you love the new comic book films, whatever they are, because you like that sort of cheesy action, go see it. If you're me... Kick-Ass is better. Yeah, if you're me, group it with Kick-Ass, rent the DVD and get halfway through and turn it off in disgust. <laughs> So, the French Film Fest has started. We thought it was a couple of weeks away. We haven't gotten time to tell you to go see it. But there's, um, it's on now for a week, isn't it, Nigel? Yeah, uh, in, in Auckland, it's, uh, I think you've got about five days or something like that. Yeah, and by the time the, our four listeners listen to this, it's too late. But anyway, we've picked... Well, you picked, missed it. No, nah, we'll get this out to them Saturday. That gives them like four or five days to catch it. So, based on your review, plus stuff, and we're going to see it. So, we'll talk about it next week anyway. What did I say we get it out by? I think you said we'll get it out by Saturday. All anyway, right. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I'm I'm going to be the BSA correspondent for the film uh, French Film Festival this year. Uh, I'm going to try and see seven films. Well, you've already seen a couple, but tell us tell us the seven you've picked. I'm going to start off with Joseph and the Girl, about an aging crewman who hires a, a young lady to help him rob a casino. Um, I do like a, a French crime film. I so. think you're particularly fond of casino. Esque stuff as well, aren't you? You know what? For me, it was more uh, Leon, a, a, an elderly crewman hiring a young girl. Good call, good call. All the professionals yeah, they might have. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. all the professional, yeah. I was just like, uh, you know what? This could be my favourite film of the year. I'll go see it. Yeah. Uh, it was followed up by uh, a possible great crime family epic called Five Brothers, about um, four brothers who live their lives normally, and the fifth brother, long-lost fifth brother, turns up 
with the with the mob or, or gangsters or some shit like that and police on his tail and the the f other four brothers have to fall in and, and help him out with the case Ow, the the last Neanderthal is a caveman story set 300,000 years ago it looks like a dopey caveman thing on and I'm sure there's a billion dopey caveman things but this one's a, a French one near wordless from what I understand the like the caveman that fucking France, yeah. speak and shit yeah uh, and this one got tricky doing the whole soundtrack, and you know, I've be, always been intrigued by that man. He's I think the French do tricky-esque music really well, and I think those cavemen 300,000 years ago were in France, so maybe they've got something more to say. Maybe they're going to try and do That's it. where cavemen started. Yeah, totally. That's what I'm saying. Problem. Print didn't turn up. So it, as far as I know so far, we're not going to see that. So let's not talk about it. This is the best, right? This is a public announcement coming too late. <laughs> oh, shit. By the time we let them know there's a French film fest on, half of it's finished, so then we pseudo-review a caveman film and tell them that we're looking forward to it, then mention that the fest that they're missing out on isn't getting the print, and there's no way to see it anyway. Not that they could, if they could, which they can't. <laughs> <laughs> How cruel of us. That is fantastic. We're like the people that report good things happening yesterday. Hey guys, there was a bunch of free stuff given away yesterday, and uh, a bunch of people caught some fish, and you, you missed it all because it's now Sunday. Like, yeah. But hey, what are you going to do? We're, we're, we're fledgling podcasters, so suck it up. What else, bro? Turk's Head. Uh, I honestly don't know what this is. It's uh, yeah, I've got some keywords. Crime. Mm. Immigrant slums of Paris. Yep, nothing so far. Have I been annoyed with? Actually, that's the only two keywords I've got. Sounds good, huh? I wonder what you Aaron, like that. I wonder what Aaron Doss meant therein, which is that word I learned from Parisian, uh, <laughs> which means like section. Yeah, no, I like crime. Tell you what, I'll go and watch it, and I'll let you know how it goes. Good man, keep going, keep going. Next, we've got uh, Fear is Fear, uh, which is a it's a crime, and not yet another. I know you think French only do crime. You're correct. This, but this is a crime comedy. Yeah. This is a uh, dude from, you know, your favorite conversations with my gardener and stuff. Daniel, oh, man, uh, I do like that forget guy. his name. Yeah. Or Tell or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he escapes from prison. He gets caught by a lady who's like, I'm going to turn you in unless you help me kill my mother. Hilarity ensues. That reminds me, listen, if anyone goes to a French film, fest film, on their way home and they're thinking, I can't get enough of this, go to Video Easy Ponsonby and pick up Conversations with My Gardener and love it forever. The world's greatest film. Outside the law. No, that's Dan, not what we Michelle Gondry's Michelle Gondry's uh, doco about his auntie. No idea, but that's all the info I've got. It looks like it's got a lot of uh, paper mache, stop motion. What else do you need? Well, Michelle Gondry. Um, Seth Rogen. How fucking funny is it that we're talking about a Seth, that Michelle Gondry? We just read a lot about Michelle Rogen. Michelle Rogan. It, it, it didn't put me off. He hasn't put me off. I still love the guy. Yeah, he's a strange uh, guy. I'll, I'll tell you about his auntie. And the last one, my, my seventh pick, is, is not a stupid pick because the Academy also picked it. Up for best foreign film this year is Outside the Law. I think it's about three brothers coming up through a crime family and they all go into different sections of crime. Yeah. I could be completely off. If Even if it's really I don't give like a that. shit. I'm yeah. seeing it. I'm in. I, um, I just hit on the mice guy before I came over to record Casino because how much do people like tracking gangsters through crime worlds as they grow up, as they grow old, as they know people, you know. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be fantastic. So it's not too late. It's not too late. The thing doesn't end till Wednesday. Dude, you got time, at least in, in Auckland. I wonder if it's going to go around. Here's a question, though. Does, um, 
if this if this best one, like outside the law, which is up for the Oscar, will that come back in the International Film Festival? Do they even bring them back, or does Auckland like the pickers go? No, nah, not if it's already played. Yeah, these things don't have any people. But if it's going. an Oscar thing, yeah. Oh, if it's an Oscar, Rialto will pick it up again. Like it'll come back through properly. Maybe not the international film, but you know it'll, it'll turn up. Of course, the French Film Festival is not the only thing that's on. There's a bunch of shit on at the moment. However, I'll tell you what's not on. The Disappearance of Alice Creed. A wonderful fucking kidnapping film. You missed it, bro. We told you, but you missed it. Also, the fella. The three-hour fella cootie uh, performance. You missed it. So did we. Yeah, I think But new this week. In a Better World, which is up for... uh, Best Foreign Film Academy Award. In its own language, it's called The Revenge. IMDb has decided to call it Civilization. The Academies, and therefore Rialto, decided to call it In a Better World. I don't know why it's got three names. Stop stop asking me. Anyway, it's a Danish thing. It's from the same dude who wrote and the same chick who directed After the Wedding, which is an awesome Mads Mikkelsen film. Uh, they've worked on a bunch of stuff, Open Hearts, and, and the, the original Brothers, which got remade into a Tobey Maguire, Natalie Portman, Jake Gyllenhaal thing. You should totally go see it, because we're going to, and you're going to be desperate to know what we think. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Oscar-nominated uh, True Grit, brilliant Coen Brothers cowboy movie is on. Oscar-nominated Black Swan. Brilliant Natalie Portman performance ballet. Not really, but forgetting ballet. Stuff ballet. Stuff ballet. These Cinematic people, motherfucker. These people need to go to the movies. There's so much good shit on there. Like, Oscar nominated The Fighter. Fighter, yep. What's his name? Um, Christian Bale. Boxing, Boxing shit. Boxing film. Really good. Oscar nominated 127 Hours. James Franco crushed by a rock in a canyon. I, I don't need to spoil it. Uh, Oscar nominated The Kids Are Alright Brilliant Well Very well written Mark Ruffalo Julianne Moore Annette Bening Mia Wasikowska uh, A lesbian couple And the kids Trying to find their sperm donor A ton of people acting Inception's back on They get it Oscar nominated They're all Oscar nominated They get it (laughs) I like this running joke It's not Oscar time It's it's, it's Oscar time I mean this shit's going insane Inception's on They've brought it back At IMAX Huge screen those skyscrapers falling over on, on um, what's-his-name were good enough. Tom Hardy, JGL, Killian Murphy, Alan Page, fucking, come on, come on, Tom Berenger. The guy from Titanic. I, I know he's your least, but it, you need to say his name. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. There you go. Leonardo there DiCaprio. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, Oscar-nominated The Social Network is on at the Victoria Picture Palace at the moment. It's coming It's coming again to Academy next week. That thing can't get enough. Yeah, even though it's the Facebook movie, disregard what you know or, or your opinions of Facebook and go watch it unless you hate a lot of typing. The Green Hornet. Also still playing? Yeah, Green Hornet. We already talked about that. We, um... We were, we definitely weren't non-fans of it. No, nah, not when you fucking rattle off eight Oscar-nominated fantastic films. If you go and see The Green Hornet and you haven't seen the first seven we described, kill yourself. <laughs> um, Fair Game, which we said we were going to see, but we haven't. We didn't see this week because we got. I'm going to see it without Corey. This is uh, this is Naomi Watts and Sean Penn. I'm seeing it. Yeah, I'm saying I'll let you. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll change my mind about uh, seeing it on the big screen. It doesn't need it. And the King's Speech, which we haven't seen yet. Oscar, is that Oscar-nominated King's Speech? I believe speech? it could be Oscar-nominated King's Speech, but not only that, but Oscar-nominated King's Speech, BAFTA-winning King's Speech, Golden Globes-winning King's Speech, 
King's Speech is cleaning up. Every man and his dog has an opinion of it, and that it's fantastic. Everybody Jeffrey Rush, it. Helena Bonham Carter, and that Colin Firth fella. Look, it looks pretty good. Even the Queen's seen the King's Speech, and she liked it. E- now, even the even the Queen's seen the Kings. Yeah, no shit. That's recommendation enough. We haven't seen it yet, actually. We are behind the eight ball on that one. Um, or is that a good thing, being behind the eight ball? <laughs> I can't I, forget which. I think we're in front of the eight ball on that one. Kick the bucket? I don't know, I forget which. Off the wagon? <laughs> a stitch in time? Anyway. Oscar-nominated uh, documentary Inside Job, narrated by Matt Damon, which I, I hear is actually very fucking good, and I yeah. shouldn't say it in a voice like that. No, that sounds like Some a, financial economic... It's a DVD rent. DVD rent. There's no need for... The screen brings nothing to oh, it. Oh, this is life-saving. You might as well experience it in a cinema. Ah, uh, whatevs. Wagner and me? Wagner and me? Your favourite... Your favourite watches? Your favourite words? Fry. Stephen you. Fry, please have my baby. So look, Auckland screens are chocker with shit. There's a billion stuff on. Yeah. Also, a couple of uh, one-off nods. In St. Helier's, uh, February 23rd, they're playing 500 Days of Summer, which is my uh, my dude, JGL. And? Zooey. Yeah. JGL and, and, JGL and Zooey uh, rom-com. Deschanel. Deschanel. Very, very cool thing. It, jo- it chops and changes in... Uh, in Chronology. Yeah, and then the day after the 24th, they have Julie and Julia, which is that movie about the girl going through that old cookbook and cooking every recipe every night. Well, more than that, it's Meryl Streep versus Amy Adams, which if anyone saw Doubt, you should watch Doubt. You really should watch Doubt. Oh, such a great combo. Those two are great actresses. Fishinger Fridays at Rialto. No, not for the first one. Next, the first week they've got Lovebirds with a, that's the new Reese Darby New Zealand yeah, no, rom-com. Right. <clears throat> Whatever. The next week is uh, Hilary Swank goes to law school. But uh, there's a couple of my my most anticipated films of the year: uh, Blue Valentine and Never Let Me Go are coming up. Now I just want to run this past everyone. This is on a film second day of release. $19.50. So that's like $3 more. For a ticket. Yep, $16.50. Plus four pieces of fish and gourmet chips. Yeah, I think a gourmet sea lord crumbed fish bites. It's not... Possibly, possibly, possibly. Either way, Rialto don't deal that shit food. They know what they're doing. They're an upmarket place. It's, a, it's, a, it's in a plate, yeah. They, they try their best to be classy. Yeah, there'll be some tartar sauce. Now, you're paying $19.50... I really, really want to see Blue Valentine. For anyone who doesn't know, Michelle Williams from Brokeback Mountain and uh, Wendy and Lucy, Wendy and Lucy, Wendy and Lucy, go and see Wendy and Lucy, brilliant. Don't go and see it. Go and find it somewhere to watch it. Or Never Let Me Go. Some people say it's like like a boring English version of The Island. Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I saw those. But to me, it looks like um, it's written by a Japanese author. It's the new Spider-Man with Keira Knightley and uh, my new sweetheart, Kerry Mulligan from Anne Education. So these two are very anticipated. Now, if I get to see those on the second day of release with fish and chips for 1950, Blue Valentine on the 11th of March, Never Let Me Go on the 18th of March. Yeah, I, I might do that. <laughs> I might not- do that. There'll be no hiding our love for Rialto Cinema and Foyer and the service they offer. You might have some issues with their screens, but Rialto in the middle of Newmarket... I'm not going to have issues with their screens if they've got fish and chips. Yeah, damn tooting. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's what else is um, what else is on. Did we cover the Docker Fest? We went through that last time. They know the Docker Fest is on now. I saw I saw this documentary coming up about Wanganui, actually, the Wanganui River. 
which I'm going to go see. Which links me to, and there's another one, there's a Star Wars doc, I'm going to hold a couple of mates that I know into Star Wars and see if they want to go see that. Like, the one going to be one screens up here first in Auckland. Well, a lot of the, all these docos do. And then in a couple of weeks' time, they play again in Wellington, or maybe the week after they play again in Wellington. So even though we're calling our podcast Big Screen Auckland and um, we're describing what's on in Auckland, that's a good thing because Auckland gets them first and they do generally flow down the rest of the country. So, like, um, don't be put off thinking we're not being a helpful... Well, sure, we're not helpful, but you know what I mean? We're not Auckland proud. I'm from New Plymouth. Where are you from? Wongers, bro. Wongers, bro. Yeah, exactly. So this, this just happens to be like the, the films coming into the country, they flow to Auckland. We've seen them in Auckland. It's on in Auckland. But they're going to be in Wellington, um, like at the end of March, the last couple of weeks of March. Dock over the Wanganui River. Also, one other thing I want to mention is um, dubbed movies. I don't know if anyone ever saw Hercules Returns, or what was that terrible fucking Australian yeah, thing? I saw Hercules Returns, that was terrible. Hercules Returns, yeah. Anyway, pretend it wasn't terrible. Mm. There's a couple of those opportunities coming up. Carnival of Souls is a, is a film I saw, a ghost movie I saw um, over in Melbourne. We've got a redubbed version coming up at the Mercury Theatre on the on the 4th, the 5th, and the 20th of March. Now, it's pretty pricey. It's like between 40 and 50 bucks or some shit, but it's, they're playing a great old, uh, like, 60s ghost film, and they're doing the whole, the foley, the soundtrack, the... The, the voices, everything, they're doing it live in front of you. It's going to be, it, it, trust me, these things are fucking impressive. You've you seen one? You've seen one. No, bro, I've never seen one live. No, oh, not really. I've seen, I've seen silent films with pheromones and orchestras, but never... Um... Oh, good point, good point, yeah. I've seen this film, it's a good film, this is going to be a good thing. So, 40 or 50 bucks isn't as ridiculous as it sounds. Where the hell's However, the Mercury Theatre? Mercury Theatre is on Mercury Lane, just up from Galatos, off K Road. Oh, in Auckland. God. Oh, okay. K-Road. Right. Yeah. Everything else you mentioned was like, I'm If that's a bit much for you, they've also got a Rialto coming up on the 12th and the 13th of March, just for 20 bucks, which isn't very much. They've got Little Shop Horrors. They're going to do the same thing with that. They're going to they're, they're gonna play the Little Shop Horrors. They're going to turn the sound off. They're going to do the, the music, the, the sound effects, the voices, all in front of you, live. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors being Feed Me Seymour. The Feed Me Seymour. Yeah. Steve Martin. And the other guy. So, yeah, I can see the way your nose is turned up. I would recommend Carnival Souls if you've got the <laughs> 40 to 50 bucks that it costs. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But redub movies aren't as dopey as they sound. Like, that's a good opportunity. So, there's a hell of a lot of films on in Auckland at the moment. You can either see something wacky at the French Film Fest, not wacky. You can see something um, biting at the Doco Film Fest that we've gone in about the last couple. There is Oscar films playing nightly, a different one a night, a different one every night. You could see an Oscar nominated film for Best Picture. I mean, they, they nominate ten these days. Go to the movies, Auckland. Go to the Go movies, to the movies Auckland. Doco Fest, a French Film Fest, European Fest coming up, World Showcase coming up. Just don't just stop being stupid. Like, there's so much good shit. Oh. Enjoy the sun during the day. Movies start at night time, so that's not an excuse. And there's nothing to say, oh, but I'm tired in the morning. Drink a V. Next. Move on. Right. Cinema is where it's at. You should go to cinema. If you, if you stop going to cinema... Cinema's going to die away? Yeah, they're going to start charging $4.50 for a Coke. But, so next week we might try and do In a Better World. 
slash civilization slash the revenge. Plus, we're going to kick off our doco fest with uh, Machete Maidens Unleashed. Yeah, fantastic. Um, about exploitation films from the early 80s, maybe late 70s, I don't know really. Um, filmed overseas in the jungles of Borneo or something like that. Cheap, cheap, um, large breasts, machetes, maidens, blood. This film you sort of see at uh, the movie marathon. And I'm going to try and make him watch King's Speech for the fifth week running. Yeah, it's going to win everything we should probably That's enough from that. us. There's Big Screen Auckland, I'm Nige. And Corey. Booyah. No, I'm not saying booyah, that's fucking terrible. That's perfect, I liked it. I nah. Liked it. I was She's cutting it there. <laughs>